0: Adieu l'émi, je t'aimais bien. Adieu l'émi, je t'aimais bien, bien tu sais. On a chanté les mêmes vins. On a chanté les mêmes filles. On a chanté les mêmes chagrins. Adieu l'émi, je vais mourir.
1: Welcome to Sundays on the East End with Bridget Leroy and
0: Alex Sockerman. We're
1: coming to you from SDA's Little Kitchen on the Bridgesag Turnpike, where the coffee is hot and the conversation is always cool here on WPPB, which you can listen to at 88.3 FM or online at 883wppb.org. You can always make a donation. They are greatly appreciated since this is Long Island's only NPR station and we are listener supported. So who's on the docket today, Sock? Who we got? Oh, you're gonna ask me to like yeah, remember name? Yeah, I'm totally turning it over to you. <laughs> I know
2: Cynthia's name. Okay, so uh, well, Cynthia Caras we got- Alonso, yeah, who uh, is a uh, incredibly passionate and talented uh, photojournalist, a photographer and writer, uh, who has really focused in the last 30 years or 25 years on Cuba.
1: Yeah, she's written two books. Uh, one is called A Passage to Cuba, and the other is The Flavors of Cuba. which Taste really, of Cuba. Taste of Cuba, sorry, which really concentrates on uh, the taste the, of Cuba. Exactly what it sounds like. And we also have our own local mu- Alfredo Musica, Alfredo Marat, <laughs> in the studio, and who's also been many, many times to Cuba. She's right? in Yoda. And you have also, if you speak to me in Spanish, I'm going to start throwing little pieces <laughs> of rice at you. <laughs> I just want you to know that. Is that
2: like foreplay? Yes, <laughs>
1: kind of. It is. Cuban Oops. Cuban foreplay. Throw little arroz, little pieces of arroz at you. <laughs> but also, you, um, you did an album last year, uh, or two years ago, because I yeah, wrote about it ago, for yeah. The yeah. Independent. This a Jacques Brel yes. album, but it was with Cuban flavor. which yes. is r- so Totally. Right. This whole show is going to be about Cuban so flavor. usually, Cuba. usually
2: yes. we're talking about things on the island. Well, we're, now we're just talking about a different island. Yeah,
1: there you go. Yeah, from so from, from, long from one island to another. Yeah, exactly. To Hispaniola. Was it Hispaniola mm. oh. originally? Why,
2: why, why was it her Spaniola?
1: Oh, God. I'm I don't eating. know. <laughs> what? Too much <laughs> no, for me. You
2: know, a little dad humor? Now? I'm going to
1: just eat. You guys talk.
2: <laughs> it's going to be a very interesting hour with uh, Alfredo and Cynthia <laughs> because uh, they both um, had their own call. To Cuba in the early 90s uh, separately and
1: they're not they didn't they, they just met I mean I just wanted to make sure our audience knew that they're not they've never met before. not mutually
2: exclusive call right um, and uh, Cuba has uh, not only uh, affected their lives but but they then contributed to the the canon of culture down there so uh, it's gonna be a really interesting conversation I think
1: I think so too and, and let's kick it off right away I mean let's start with our old friend and high school alumnus oh. Cynthia We've each Alonso. Other many years. Yes, we have, and it's so great to catch up with you. So, thanks for having know, me. We're going to ask you about the same question, basically. But what was your call to Cuba? Like, like what happened that made you not just go there the first time, but then want to go back again and again and again? Like, yeah. how really great you?
3: questions. Good yeah. questions. So, for me, I was working in the news at Newsweek Magazine and Newsweek Interactive. Take your mind back to the late 80s, early 90s, when the Soviet Union was dismantling and you would wake up every day and another country was having a peaceful revolution and becoming independent. But nothing was happening with Cuba, which was so close to us, and yet, you know, my whole life I had heard it was Soviet-dominated and so close to U.S. shores. But we had a U.S. economic embargo against Cuba and we weren't allowed to go. Well, you know, right. you might remember back in high school, we were such rebels. and Oh, yeah, um, we were. We and, definitely were. And so that rebel spirit in me, I wanted to know, well, why can't we go to Cuba and what's going on there? And I would talk to the Newsweek editors and I'd say, well, why aren't we doing a story on Cuba? And they'd say, nothing's changing. Nothing's happening there. It's not a story. And to me, that was also a story. Right. Well, what's going on there?
0: Mm.
3: And um, I, it was... In December 1992, it was sort of a dark, cold night in New York, in the winter of New York, and the Los Muñiquitos de Matanzas was a folkloric Cuba group. It was under the Clinton administration, and it was the first time in about 30 years that Cuban artists were allowed to come and perform in Harlem. I went to the concert, and it was, I was invited to photograph the concert, and through the lens of my camera, Cuba just was calling me through their music, the colors, the dance, the spirit. And they brought the gods and the goddesses of the Orishas, which are the folkloric traditions of Cuba brought over by the West African slaves, which was Yoruba. Um, and uh, they brought that tradition to Cuba when slaves were taking boxes off of boats they weren't allowed to bring their drums and so they just started drumming on the boxes that they were taking off of boats and that was the beginning of rumba which was founded in cuba and it was that rumba show and those dances and costumes that just called me and i knew that i needed to go to cuba for more
2: right and how about how about you um well
4: You know, I was born in Spain and my mom always spoke about this uncle that we had that went to Cuba in 36, running away from, you know, Franco and what was going on back then. And um, so one day I, I said, wow, you know, I'd love to see what's left of him or who he was. And, and so I, I decided to, uh, to go to Cuba and look for him a little bit and see what the island was about. And then me too. I heard that Clinton opened it up a bit. And we were allowed to, to fly there again under... From you know, here, because you, you live yes. in Sag Harbor. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I mean,
1: not directly from Sag Harbor. I did it illegally
4: many times through Cancun, but suddenly there was a direct flight from New York, JFK, to Havana, and I jumped but on that. Clinton opened it opened up opened for it up. cultural exchange. So, and then cultural I landed exchange. there, and then there was just beauty and misery. I mean, there was it's, there's a lot of misery right. there, let's face it. Misery? But well, when we went, beautiful. it was the beginning
3: of the special period. It was When beautiful. the Soviet Union had practically... Overnight, pulled their support from Cuba.
4: There's a lot of hurt and a lot of, you know, there's unfortunately not a lot of (laughs) food in Cuba either. It's really tough. It's hard living, unfortunately. But there
3: was a lot of happiness in spite of the dire circumstances. People
4: people are not, uh, there's no crime. There's no crime. It's been rated the safest
3: place in the world.
4: You're safe. You can walk around at 2 a.m. in Havana, go from one part to another to the city. No one is going to approach you and try to mug you. It's really incredible. They have nothing, but they will not touch you.
3: But they're really celebrating life with what they do have, and that's what keeps drawing me back, is the celebration of art and family.
2: That's a topic that I think we can actually really dive into because everybody that I've talked to who has gone to Cuba or experienced it really talks about the spirit of the people. Yes. And do you think that it's um, specific to the, the... the harshness of their daily lives and the government control over years and years and years? Or do you think that it's something more in the DNA that predates Castro?
3: Well... My mother-in-law, who predates Castro, <laughs> to, likes to tell me that Cuba has always celebrated its art and culture, and it's been known as a cultural hotbed well, in, in this part of the world.
1: Being the Broadway baby I am, yes. the only reference I have is, of course, the scene from Guys and Dolls where he takes her to Havana for the night, yes. yeah. and she gets drunk and sings, if I were a bell, I'd be ringing. Right. So Cuba was, was drawing, uh, you know, people, U.S.ers for a long time before Castro came to power. There's a long yeah.
3: history between the two countries, a very- But, but again, I'm, I'm
2: talking about the the spirit of the people though, because that is that is something well, that I think- well,
4: But the spirit of the people is that they want to be uh, open and 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 friendly, and they, they welcome you, and that's really because they need us.
3: But it's <laughs> not need just you. need. I think it's a genuine curiosity. I, I think that their values are so beautiful, their value for art and communication and connection and community, and I think that their celebration of life is something that not only contributes to their survival.
2: And, and what were the collisions of of their influences? So West Africa, mm-hmm. before Spaniards.
3: The, the Spanish, and before yes. the Spanish, um, are there still the... There's a huge American influence. I mean, the Americans had a lot of businesses in Cuba. Casino. And there's a a lot. lot of that left over when you walk around. There's, I mean... My latest book, A Taste of Cuba, celebrates the paladars, which are restaurants in people's homes. And each one tries to be very different from the other, not only in their menu, but also in the experience of the restaurant. Right. And when you're in these restaurants, you see the 1950s ads and right. the Coca-Cola but, 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 signs. And
2: But when you talk about the paladars, I immediately go to the sharing economy. I, re- I immediately go to, like, the Airbnb concept. So you have a private home, mm-hmm. and you need to generate or want to generate some income and have purpose and have and, – and, the the state doesn't make it easy to do it out in public so you say I could share part of my home and then you put your own signature on it
3: well Mm -hmm. actually um, when Fidel stepped down and Raul Castro took over there was a huge economic reform in the country okay and Raul actually closed many of the sugar factories and and they started to encourage private business And so today, still, people are really very much encouraged to have a private business. You have a piece of land, grow something and sell it. You have a car, turn it into a taxi. You've got a room, rent it out on Airbnb. And so there is this economic transformation, which is changing the country. In many ways, it's empowering people to have a business. There are still lots of government regulations, Um, but it's also in some ways creating more of an us and them, because people who have connection to private business or to family outside the government who are sending money, they're living better.
1: Well, we're going to take a little interlude right now. You're listening to Bridget Leroy and Alex Sokola Sundays on the East End with our special guests, Cynthia Caris, Alonso and Alfredo Marat, two cubiphiles and... We'll be back on WPPB, coming to you from S.U.'s Little Kitchen in Bridgeside Turnpike, and we'll be back right after C'était this song from Alfredo.
0: Temps où temps où Bruxelles, Bruxelles, on des vitrines, avec des hommes, des Le cœur dans les étoiles Il y avait mon grand-père Il y avait ma grand-mère Il était militaire Elle fonctionnaires fonctionnaire Il pensait pas, elle pensait Et on voudrait que je sois malin Avec des femmes, des messieurs en qui sur l'impérial le car dans les étoiles. Il y avait mon grand-père, il y avait ma grand-mère. Il a fait suivre, elle a fait laisser faire, il avait donc fait tous les deux. Les lampions dansaient les omnibus avec des femmes, des messieurs en Et sur l'impérial. Le cœur dans les étoiles, il y avait mon grand-père, y avait ma grand-mère. Il a tendé la guerre, elle a tendé mon père. Ils étaient gays comme le canal et en vous. J'ai le moral, oh, c'était autant pour vous rêve c'était autant du
1: Alright well we're back Sundays on the East End With Bridget Leroy And Alex Sokol. Coming to you from Estia's Little Kitchen On WPPB Long Island's only NPR station You can listen to us On 88.3 Or online at 88.3 WPPB.org You can always make A donation to Listener Supported Radio
2: Or just come on down To Estia's next weekend And listen mm-hmm. to us
1: Yeah exactly The food is so good Saturdays. here And the art is amazing here It is It's gorgeous it is. And the food is fantastic Colin is
2: really like the dude.
1: He is, and and they're totally like doing uh, breakfast, lunch, and dinner now. They started doing dinner. I think it's next weekend they start doing dinner uh, four nights a week. Right now it's just Friday and Saturday nights, but it's so good. And uh, we're gonna we're here with uh, Cynthia Caras Alonso, who is a photo- photojournalist who's published two books. But we're also here with our own local Alfredo Marat, mm-hmm. who has also been to Cuba many times. And yeah. tell me about like you know. Did you go there and play baseball or softball with, with well, the Talk House what, what, team? What, what happened? What happened
4: is no, the the Talk House was happening simultaneously. They were doing some fundraisers and they were bringing uh, goods, you know, for uh, kids and you know, baseball goods mostly. You know, I was on the side doing my own research on my uncle, and then somehow we oh, you guys are in Cuba too, and then so we uh, we did a trip together. But for me, in, in in many ways, you know, what really drew me there was my family number one, and then number two. Once I got there, I said, oh my God. This is amazing. And the people and the music and the art. And there, there was a connection right away for me. And, and so I proceeded to keep on going. You know. And
1: I, I know that the um, Alfredo sings Brawl is yes. Cubanissimo, but did you do was that the first your first foray into like using the cuban beat
4: Yes yes absolutely I think so that tell was my, that, my first approach to uh, loving salsa and loving uh, you know all the, the beauty with you know with the, the, that beat and afrobeat and but all they do with you know with the with the singing and then their their passion and, and and the music blended a little bit and I said to myself why not with Jacques Brel? which is, you know, this French chanson, uh, chansonnier, which usually played with orchestras and but I mean, if you if you get that CD, you'll see. Or if you listen on, uh, you I know, online have, or YouTube would have or, whatever. or whatever. I, think I would hope have so. I think I think I've got the family behind it, and, and everyone oh, loves it absolutely. Well, that's wonderful. I even get some people who say that they like my arrangements better than his. Yeah, yeah I've heard <laughs> well, the same.
1: He can't he can't fight for himself. So okay, that's an easy one.
4: He's, he's no longer here, so. I when's say. the last
1: time you were in Cuba?
4: I was there in uh, December. Just there.
1: Just this year? Yeah,
4: I went actually to to closer to on the uh, the Oriente side. You know, I was um, traveling a little bit on Camagüey and I was meeting a friend and I spent uh, again in, in one of those Russian old resort areas on the beach. Beautiful, white, sandy, powder, blue, you know, anything you want. But you know, again, this is Cuba, and so it looks like 50 years ago. Wow!
2: Yeah. I, like if I was like an Etzel, I'd want to be in Cuba.
3: <laughs> well, I think the important thing, though, to share with your listeners is that it is still possible to go to Cuba. In fact, it's easier to go now than ever before. You can. There are daily flights from New York, JFK. There are flights from around the country and, and like Carnival said,
4: cruises right. and, and everything else. If you like boating, and it's yeah. very,
3: very safe. Very it's safe. It's very safe, Absolutely. and it's also really easy to go it, you know the flights depending on the time of year can get pricey but then once you're there you can stay in people's right. homes you can stay in hotels
2: but here's the thing you were talking about salsa yes and you were talking about rumba right so again it's the influences this kind of like unbelievable right. stew mm-hmm. that gets cooked there mm-hmm. well
3: people came from all over the world and settled in cuba so you have all different colors of skin they like to say there you know and all different influences of in their food, in their art, in their music, and it's, there's just creativity everywhere. Every family has an artist, and I think that celebration of and, art and is
4: such a- there's beauty misery, there's beauty in the streets when you walk I, I, around. As there is an art, though. Absolutely, and the colors are amazing, and then sometimes you would see this building that's still there, you don't even know how, it's still hanging there, but it's beautiful. It's I'm not like,
3: sure it's so beautiful for the people living there, I remember. <laughs> the struggle no, is that the old that. Havana yeah. doesn't have
4: water, so there's no running water in some wow. the old part of the old city. The new city, which was built by Castro, obviously has a little bit more of the modern conveniences. But if you go to the old Havana, it's just unbelievable. And as also, the daily the life of so
3: many Cuban people is rough. I mean, things that we take for granted like
1: toilet paper and, and meat are luxury. That's our what Alfredo was saying about yes. the misery. Yes, that's ah. what I mean by so. Misery.
2: Wait, wait, so yeah. let's, let's maybe pop to the to the meat. So. You are you're, you're looking at the cuisine of Havana and of Cuba. Where do they source their food?
3: Well that's a really good question. So when I after my first book came out, Passage to Cuba, my publisher said let's do a cookbook. In fact we went to, we all went to high school with our first publisher, Tony Lyons. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we all And um and he well, said do Alfredo.
1: Alfredo's the did not and yeah, that yeah. yeah.
3: Kyle, but right. it, you guys, yeah, we all went. Tony said, let's do a cookbook. People like to cook. And I said, well, I'm a photographer, not a chef. Where am I going to get the recipes? And I realized that there's this whole culinary revolution happening in Cuba right now. And it started during the special period when people were struggling to find food and ingredients. People were secretly having uh customers in their house and you'd see 10 people file into a home and an hour later 10 people leave and you'd think you know was that some secret deal right. and it was actually they were just eating right, so right. and they're not cannibals because there were 10 no. left.
1: right so and, and Malfredi, were, you've also had oh, the experience I, but you didn't know what it was called right. right
4: but i've been to them many times over it's they're great they're family oriented and you know kind of little restaurants and mom and pop and it's wonderful you well know? what
3: started in the mid 90s as these small secret restaurants and places to eat in people's homes. There was a soap opera at the time from Brazil, and Latinos love their soap operas. And there was a woman tele-novela. in the soap opera. telenovela, exactly. And there was a woman who had mm. a paladar in Brazil. And so the Cubans got this idea, let's have paladars, places to eat. It comes from palate, like N- tasting right. food. I got yeah. it. And so what started with a handful of families asking the government for permission to have a restaurant in their home and feed people legally. Mm-hmm. There are now more than two thousand paladars in the country, mm-hmm. and and the, that's
4: and, the, and the Cubans are very resourceful. They have right. to find a way to make a living and money, and right. that was a great way. And you know, ultimately, it's inexpensive. You know, and it's done at home, so you know it's affordable. It's also it's
3: it's it's also encouraged a lot of people to grow organically. Cuba went organic by default because the Russians pulled their support, so they didn't have pesticides and they didn't have Mm. fertilizers, Mm -hmm. and it was real farm to table, and they're trying to keep it that way. So So I
1: guess that every like a region probably, because I know you both have traveled around, you don't just stay in one area. Every region must kind of have its own. Its own culture. I mean, it's not, not just yeah, well, the food, but sure. with music yeah. or with art, uh, every area is different. Yeah. So, where, like, Alfredo, like in particular, um, what are some of the areas outside of Havana that you've been yeah, to? Yeah, well,
4: I, I, you know, we went to Pinal de Rio, I went to Camagüey, and I'm actually on, in October, I'm going to be to Olguin, so which is on the, the Oriente. Wha- it's more closer to Guantanamo, on the other side, which is the Caribbean and the hotter part of Cuba. Believe it or not, Havana and Cuba is huge. It's a big island so See, that's it, people like other, me who
1: haven't been
3: there don't you, really you do well you could drive it from east to west in about 15 hours and north that's to south lot, in only about five hours and, and is that
2: is that because of the roads or is that because of the distance
3: good question there mm-hmm. are like main highways pretty much just one the the, the main national highway um but there, you do experience different cultures as you travel sure. through different towns. Yeah. And you'll see the different influences. Uh, in the north, you have more of a Spanish influence. In the south, there's more of a French influence. And you'll see a difference in the music and the food and the architecture. Mm-hmm. And that's really exciting to experience as a foreigner. Now, you
1: met your husband there. I did. Tell <laughs> us that little story before we go to break. Okay.
3: Well, um, back in December 92, I was asked by a German record company to go photograph Cuban musicians. and It was pretty exciting to be able to go since there was this U.S. economic embargo and it was illegal for Americans to go. But as a journalist, I could go and I was invited by the Cuban government to photograph artists. And when we got there, I couldn't photograph any of the Cuban musicians for very Cuban reasons. Um, One group didn't know we were coming because they didn't have phones. The whole landline phone thing never got really developed there. Another group there was no gas to get them all together It was the height of the special period and gas was very limited and another group had lost their guitarist who had defected on their last tour to mexico so i hit the streets to do my own photography one with back then it was film one camera with black and white film one camera with color film Mm -hmm. and it was incredibly exciting to be in this land of the forbidden and i'm walking around trying to do photography and some guy kind of harasses me and um, I realize okay maybe I should go find the record producers and I ask a guy for directions to get to the where the record producers were staying that guy's been my husband for 26 years. How's <laughs> the guy
1: yeah. for
2: direction. That a sense of
3: direction? Yeah, he gave me direction. <laughs> okay. um, he and who based- are
1: some of the Cuban... I'm, I'm just curious, are there Cuban musicians who have influenced you? Like, Do you know the names of well, some I of the mean, Cuban you know, musicians? I
4: worked at uh, Pablo Milanes Studios. I've been doing a lot of work there. And um, no, I love Silvio Rodriguez. I mean, you know... And the Cuban music is varied, and, and I like the revolutionaries, of course, and the rebels. I'm just but
1: wondering that's if you and trova have someone tr- in common.
3: The tro- the well, absolutely. I photographed yeah. Pablo in concert. I photographed Silvio. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, there's so much. There, I mean, that's, that's beautiful trova music. And yes. we also yeah. but have I like a Orisha's, lot of other Which
4: is a brand new, you know, newer uh, you know, generation, yeah. mixing up you know, Cuban sounds and beats with uh, a little bit more like a hip-hop and, and rap. There's a, there's all kinds of uh, you know I mean music in, in Cuba is, is plentiful for, right. for all tastes. It's right.
3: really creative mix of all different kinds of yeah. timba and salsa and rumba and
4: yeah. jazz. They love the jazz and then and you know they love they love music no matter what. It
2: but is. one of the things that seems to be hovering above the conversation is yeah. this idea that Cuba is a uh, a mystery to most Americans. So, yes. You know especially here on Long Island. I don't I think that when people think of Latino culture here they might think about Puerto Rico, they might think of the Dominican. Mm-hmm. Very few people actually would probably think Cuba. And I think that might be one of the like the, the unifying principles of this conversation is like is you both have ventured forth and actually not only tasted but actually contributed to something that most Americans still, for whatever stigma, still feel is like kind of a taboo.
3: Right, and I think what's really important to share is that it's such a safe place to go, it is legal to go, And it's really so close to the U.S., it's only 90 miles south of Key West, and yet it's so different in so many ways. I I photographed Obama's trip when he began opening up the two countries to work together and under executive order. We still have an economic embargo, which can only end with a vote in Congress. But because of executive order,
1: what what we of? and Senate, yeah, and, it's gotta Senate, be yeah. Yes. and have you all
3: right? Now here's the next question, and again,
2: everything almost like trips <laughs> into politics. But like, what about Miami? like have you played down in Miami do you, do you have a
4: <laughs>
3: have you Alfredo
4: no but the Cuban uh, the Cuban contingent that's in Miami does not and is not I happy know. with Cuba I except know except that they're <laughs> changing they're really okay. changing
3: as that generation is getting older it's, it's, I mean you can understand some shifting of their a bit. pain yeah. shifting a bit you yeah. can understand that a lot of the people in Miami had their homes and businesses taken away from them Yeah. and yeah. yet their kids and the next generation they want to do what Obama suggests and do business with them with you know there's as Obama said we have a lot to learn from each other the right, two countries
1: right have you noticed that difference when you go there as well uh, that yeah, the younger generation Yeah. I think unfortunately
4: we're, we're one step forward ten step backwards we're ten step backwards right now so
1: in, a lot in of confusion. what way
4: In that this new president has confused things even more and that ultimately he's putting a lot of roadblocks. He's
3: making things harder for Cubans in in the spirit of support for the Cuban people, which is the category that he created to make it legal to go. He's actually making it harder for Cubans. Right, but but, I mean this is, again,
2: it just feels like, so you have Cuban Americans and you have Cubans and there seems to be a natural distrust and yet when it comes to food, when it comes to music, when it comes to culture, there's this kind of commonality. So everybody kind of claims it as their own.
3: Well, it's a really special place that values art art and creativity, and it's a kind of magical place to experience. Yeah, very, very Everybody's friendly. very friendly, friendly and co- welcoming.
4: Colorful, a lot of colors. It's really just amazing.
1: That's great. You have to go. I have to go.
3: Yes, but I think the the fear is something that we're experiencing in a more global way, and it's it's really that element just isn't there. When you get there, you feel very safe, and it's you don't need to be afraid of politics. Do you um, agree?
1: Uh, uh,
4: let's, let's face it: you cannot go to Kingston in Jamaica. You cannot go to Kingston, Jamaica. You can go to Havana and anywhere in Cuba
1: and, and feel, feel safe. safe. Yeah, yes, that's wonderful. Though, that's well, let's take another break. That's a great place to 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 break mm-hmm. off again. And you're listening to Sundays on the East End with Bridget Leroy. And Alex Sopolis.
2: <laughs> I forgot my own name. Oh,
1: yeah, you did. <laughs> we're here with Alfredo Moran, Cynthia Caros Alonso, talking about Cuba with our wonderful producer, Kyle Lynch. You're listening to us on 88.3 WPPP, And we're coming to you from Estia's Little Kitchen on the Bridge Sag Turnpike. We'll be right back.
0: A souffrir en partage. Bonjour du grand voyage. Et notre grand amour, quand on a que l'amour, mon amour, toi et moi, pour qu'éclate de joie chaque heure et chaque jour, quand on a que l'amour, pour vivre nos promesses. Sans nulle autre richesse que d'y croire toujours, tant on a que l'amour pour meubler le merveilleux et couvrir de soleil la. Chanson et unique secours. Quand on a que l'amour pour habiller matin. Pour Train, le manteau de velours dont on a que l'amour À offrir en prière Pour les maux de la terre En simple troubadour Quand on a que l'amour À offrir à ceux-là on y combat et chercher le jour Quand on main que l'amour pour tracer un chemin et forcer le destin à chaque
1: We are back Sundays on the East End This is Alex Sokolov And Bridget Leroy We're talking with Alfredo Moran and Cynthia Caras Alonso who are not together but who are both cubophiles.
3: Well, I think that um, speaking about baseball, what's really sad is that under Obama they negotiated to have Cuban baseball players have the ability to play on American teams. and. And that's just over, in the that's over. B- just that's within over. the last really? month yes yes our current administration has yeah. completely changed that yeah. Yeah. and now they're saying that that's not okay because the money that they would be getting would be going to the Cuban government right. and and that's, that's the new really t- that's a
4: new term of, of this administration it says that okay you, if you go and do Airbnb, Okay, that's going to directly to the you know to the to the to, to, the, to people, the owner. Right? But what what he forgets to say is, is that ultimately now the owners by the Cuban government have been forced to put the money into one bank account that exists and it's Cuban and it's government owned. Well, is this In Raul the past they could
3: Castro keep the
1: money. Yeah, that? that's
3: natural. No, administration. But but Marco so, and, Rubio and, and the Cuban he, Americans are controlling U.S. policy right now. Well, they are. But um, ultimately
4: and this this administration is confusing things in terms of visas, in terms of you're allowed, or you're not allowed, or you. You, want, well, you cannot claim- go to a hotel, but you can go to, to a cruise. You can go to a hotel, but you can go to an Airbnb. Right, Airbnb. But there
3: are so many hotels you can stay in, and there are so many places you, you can You cannot use credit go. cards. You but- can
4: use credit cards. You have to have
3: cash. Well, that's because of the U.S. embargo. <laughs> but,
4: but All right, but
2: let's... Pork and pickles. Let's talk pork and pickles. Okay. About what? I love
3: pork and pickles. <laughs> Let's talk about it. what's your favorite pork and p- pickle recipe? <laughs> uh, well, I can tell you that there's a lot more pork than pickles in Cuba. Um, because, why is that? Well, I I still don't quite understand why there aren't more cows in Cuba, but there are lots of pigs, and I've been told that. Um, because pigs take up less space to take care of and mm. cows need more land to roam in um, but so a lot of ropa vieja, which was originally a recipe that was made from beef, is now being substituted with pork and well
2: pig, and what about the pickles? Oh the pickles the pickles are brought in. So
3: one of my favorite stories you asked how do yeah. how do the paladars get their ingredients? Yeah. Well everybody has to have their own connection to an organic farm and um, some source of ingredients because people are still struggling to get food and ingredients. But one of my favorite stories was I went to a paladar and I had a mixed green salad. And after 20 years of traveling to Cuba and eating only one kind of lettuce, Mm. we had a mixed green salad. So I said to the chef, how did you get the mixed greens? He said, ah, I'll tell you my secret. I have a friend in Spain who sends me the seeds. I have another friend in Cuba who has a farm and they plant the seeds and they grow the greens. That's why I have another friend who has a truck and brings the greens to my paladar and that's how you get a mixed green salad in that's Cuba. That's amazing. Right, so it's very so globalized. You know. it, it's also very complicated and yeah. you have to have your connections and your sources and And, and, and then
2: here's the next question that I go to is and is, is the government kind of looking at that mixed green, saying, where does this green come from? Well, mm-hmm. there's a lot
3: of oversight and regulation. And I think in general, there's the regulations are constantly changing um, as to what a paladar can do because it is a private business and because the people who have private businesses are now doing better. Well, that's a question
1: yeah. that, that both for the music side and the chef or cuisine side Mm -hmm. have you noticed that people are nervous if you turn your uh, your attentions on them they're nervous about as if they're running something out of their home or if they're the way the way we would be here you know like if we're nervous we don't want to be found out
4: i I think the the cubans are afraid it's it's changing as as Cynthia Cynthia said said. (laughs) it's changing all the time and the the government is changing the rules and ultimately even on those private small businesses but i think the biggest
3: change that i've seen in 26 years is the increased freedoms that the people are feeling Absolutely, in terms of business and Absolutely, but they're also very,
4: very, very controlled. They're very controlled in their freedom. I mean, a Cuban cannot walk around Havana without being carted. Why are you here? If your address is not a Havana address, what are you doing in this city? They, it's very, Even if you're very just like visiting very very your mom controlled. or something, gasoline. Absolutely.
3: Absolutely. gasoline is, is Absolutely. controlled. And taxi drivers have to account for where they've been and what they've done with simple. the gasoline it's that not they easy. get. But Cubans are very
4: resourceful. I mean, they can look at those cars, 1950s cars. They fix them up. I mean, amazing, right? And right. sometimes there's they have picture, to make the
1: parts. There's a picture of Alfredo well, next to one make, of those cars on a Cuban street. They have to make
4: street. the parts. They will make the parts. There's uh, actually you know, there's,
3: a secret pipeline of parts from California down to Cuba. I'm sure there is. Yeah. There's a yeah. whole black market where people get yeah. their parts. And, yeah. and,
2: and maybe the pipeline is even made there. Yeah. <laughs> They're very resourceful, yeah. Well, and, they're very resourceful. And, 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 uh, and they're like survivors. Do you like to cook? I love to cook. I will, and do you cook any Cuban
4: cuisine? No, no I'm not. No, I'm not what, like what are a free, free, free spirit cooker. I am. Absolutely. Free spirit? whatever Wherever's available in my gardens in Spain, or grounds prayer, or areas. I like to. Amptons. Yeah, yeah. I'm well, not,
1: Alfredo, I mean, we, did we talk on the air about your background? I mean, you. you. Oh, my background? I mean, you live in Psych Harbor, and you're, everybody yeah, no, knows you here. I was you raised here. in
4: France and Bordeaux. But you were born in Spain. Born in Spain. And, you know, mom's cooking was amazing. And. And then French cooking is great, and it's great cooking in America with whatever we have here. And, and do cook. you like to cook, Cynthia? I do not like to cook.
3: Well, that's why I got my recipes from Cuba's top chefs. Right. A Taste of okay. Cuba is my photography of different neighborhoods and yeah. a virtual trip to Cuba because I wanted to share the culture and the people and the history that's of beautiful. the different neighborhoods with recipes from Cuba chefs because, as I said, there's this culinary revolution happening where... All these paladars are growing, and the menus are constantly changing based on what ingredients they can get, and the recipes are changing as well.
1: But you also had an interesting story. Besides your husband being Cuban, didn't you find out something in your back uh, your I family? I did actually
3: find out after I was married that my mom's side of the family had um, had a supermarket chain called Minimax which was very popular in Cuba for years and the entire business and my family's homes were taken by the government sort of overnight. And my grandfather and his family left Cuba with just a little baggie of items going to Miami like yeah. so many others did, thinking yeah. right. US will never allow communism so close to its shores. We'll be right back and 60 years later, they're not back.
1: Well, you know, it was it was actually this week, I think, the Bay of Pigs. was this week, nineteen sixty one. I think it was possible. April sixteenth, nineteen sixty one. Talking
4: about pigs, here you go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's why it's like called the Bay of Cows, right? Yeah.
1: Bay, Bay of Pickles. <laughs> you can have the Bay <laughs> of Pickles. Okay. Pickles. So, I love pork and pickles. Uh, <laughs> That's a good sandwich. A
2: good
3: Cuban sandwich. Good Cuban sandwich, pork so and pickles. Yeah.
1: Going forward, where do you guys see? Uh, Cuba, how do you see it evolving? Alfredo, you first. Well,
4: I mean, in speaking with all the musicians I work with in Cuba, of course the, the, you know, the challenges are for them that there's no more embassy in, in Havana. The embassy was shot. And so they have to go to Panama in order to get their visas, or it's getting harder or for Guyana. them. Or Guyana. It's getting harder for them. So I'm, I'm hoping that we still... Go forward and 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 help as much as we can to you know open up and eventually, God willing, this embargo will go. And what h- and
1: I what? Go. How do you see things kind of moving? Well, forward? I think
3: that there's two different issues. There's what's happening in Cuba. Cuba would like to be part of the global scene, and they realize that being so connected to the U.S. Uh, was a mistake because they there was exploitation and there was a well, disparity the, well, well you're talking about connected prior to castro prior to castro right. Right. So and because, then they and then they realized that it was a mistake to be so dependent on russia but there's
2: this wonderful there's this wonderful little history that doesn't get publicized a lot where Meyer Lansky and Lucky Luciano uh-huh. yes. basically funded Batista in the 30s and 40s as he rose to power. They were betting on him because they wanted their own country. They didn't want to have to deal with the United States governance for their illegal activities. And they
1: and were, ran and the, the casinos, they, they well,
3: built the casinos, and yeah. that right. was America's playground and, in the 1950s. And,
2: and right. so by the you got, time you got to the 50s, the, they did have their own country. Batista was incredibly in bed with them, Yes. and it was—I mean—the the nighttime in Havana. Um, you know, yeah, the Johnny Ola took me there at nighttime in Havana. Right, w- is was just endemic of this kind of anything goes, but everybody's in the pocket.
3: Right, and I think. Anything still goes in Cuba for a lot of foreigners. I think that's what's so much fun about it But it's such a great place to experience the music the dance It's so full of life and it's still such a party country. Yeah. They are celebrating life in when, spite when, of the dire Castro, circumstances When Castro
2: came into power there, there's an anecdote where Lansky actually went to all the casinos and just grabbed as much money as he could <laughs> to get out right that's how yeah. quick it happened right back at that moment in time just
1: like throwing cash throwing into, cash like, into a shirt. Leaving,
2: leaving six seven eight million dollars behind
1: because it just couldn't carry
2: it wow
1: i could find a way <laughs> well
3: i think that cuba has to find a way to pay its national employees uh, a living wage because right now unless you do have a private business or a family outside the country you can't be a chemical engineer and feed your family. And that's
4: the economics. You
1: can't be a economics. doctor. And why is that? Family. $30 why?
4: a month is your salary, pretty much.
1: But and you know, know you think we think, think of it as being a socialist doctors. country or,
3: right. you know, a communist right, but, well, country. Well, you said to me, isn't there incredible medicine in Cuba? Yeah. And they have amazing minds. Their value of education is so strong and so rich right. and so they've got incredible medical research but they don't have the needles when you go to a right. doctor and i think
2: it would be fair to say and again it's, it's impossible to talk cuban not talk politics communism has failed right it's failed across the world oh, yeah. as as kind of being corrupted and and it denies people the very thing that they think they're getting well
3: i think that's why raul castro came in and, and instituted so much economic reform to make it more socialist and there are surviving socialist countries. It's still a dictatorship.
4: It's still a dictatorship, guys, right. and that's right. the problem we have. Revolution so see, did not yeah. happen. But in do Cuba you,
1: at all. Alfredo? Do you see within the next few years with Raúl like maybe becoming more comfortable and, and trying to, to kind of push more of a socialist agenda? Do you see these things maybe? changing people making more money the needles being available of better food i mean do you see that they're trying to do that or they're just trying to still
4: no no I, th- I think the cubans are hopeful but unfortunately every time that they have their hopes high and then it seems like you know a roadblock happens right, but and I, I mean i just got back
3: to, go back to Cuba. Cuba. Yeah, yeah, so when were you last there i was just there two weeks ago wow and um i would i was going because i'm having a photography show at fabrica del arte which is one of the most incredible places to visit I mean, it's um yeah. it's an old olive oil factory that's been turned into art galleries happening everywhere you can hear the best musicians playing there you mm-hmm. can see a documentary film you can see photography mixed media mm-hmm. art happening it sounds everywhere. like
1: like what they're doing at the sag harbor cinema
3: yeah what's well, so there. great is that you've got cubans and and foreigners mixing in the same place and they have
4: restaurants too good food there. yeah, yeah. Wow, great food
3: great. and um and it's a it's an exciting place to be but I think what's really happening is that there's, they want to change. They want to move forward. They want to get paid more for their and, government and jobs how can, and, 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 this is and survive just, economically. Just, just
2: asking, but how can... It seems almost like there's this almost idyllic, albeit perf, imperfect, cultural... A biosphere going on there, and when America kind of flexes its muscles, how does it not become McDonald's? How does it not become like? Well, we're just I bringing think they're very
3: conscious that they do not want to, such development so quickly. I think when Obama opened things up, they they were very aware that they they want to protect their earth and they don't want development to happen overnight on the other hand they're struggling struggling economically and there's the other issue as i mentioned it's not just the cuban issues but there's the u.s influence and the u.s economic embargo which is really hurting the people instead of what the marco rubios would have you believe that it's actually supporting the cuban people and it's not
1: alfredo you've been down there several times and have um Participated in fundraisers of sorts, mm-hmm. haven't yes, you? Yes, Tell yes. me about some of those. Well, we,
4: we worked with uh, the Maidstoners. We did a lot of fundraising in terms of uh, you know with uh, Peter Soft- Honekamp. and softball tournaments. Softball tournaments that did over there. We did some filming. There was there was a lot of activity in with even Jay Schneiderman and uh, the Duke the Duke family. We did some uh, also. You know, again, for orphanages and, you know, really, there was but a lot while of... while you were
1: over there or from here?
4: From here. We were from doing here. it from here. And then, but it, it's true that since Obama opened things up, and then, by the way, it was a lot of few hotel developments that were allowed, and now that's got shut down again but the rest of
2: the world doesn't have this embargo so exactly. you know, all, like
4: friends i have True. friends i
2: have in europe yeah. vacation in, in cuba do. And it's not a big deal they do right no,
4: they do but if you have to go to those uh, you know resorts it's 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 it's, it's,
1: it's controlled it's controlled, what you're
4: and it's you know it's gated and the cubans are not allowed to go i mean things are very very right. tricky so there the problem also is that <laughs> the
3: united states controls the politics and scares the Europeans from doing their joint ventures in Cuba and from developing the economy and from helping the economy and it only hurts the people. But
4: there's competition in in this uh, you know, traveling world. And unfortunately Cuba is way behind in terms of resorts and facilities and and yeah, the beach looks great but if you go to your room and then there's no hot water or there's like... Except
3: who wants to spend their vacation in their room? There's so much incredible art and culture experience in the streets. I'm I'm kind of (laughs) like, I, I hear
1: what fredo's like, saying i would want running
4: yeah, water but, but, and, but, and canada goes a lot of canadian goes there some russians but you know it's, a, it's a tough yeah, one there it
3: are some a tough there are some beautiful hotels though there yeah. really are yes. some beautiful places yeah. to stay yeah. it's and expensive the hotels are expensive that's i think I that's why the cruises you. have really taken off
2: because of uh, the cruises so let's talk about cruises right <laughs> <laughs> no no because no, I, no, i've no, never I've no, been on a big boat like that i like that cruises like freak me out yeah um but it's a huge business down there, right? It's and a p- huge
3: business because they're bringing what, what Cuba's lacking. They're bringing the place to stay and the food, and they're exposing em- foreigners to the Cuban culture, which was what makes it so special. I mean, in a way, Havana's like New York in the Caribbean. And as my daughter likes to say, but less Wi-Fi. Less Wi-Fi.
4: <laughs> and, and, and do you feel the same? or you? Well, you see the cruise ships. They're pretty tall. They look like big building to me. It's not a way for me to travel. Oh, but that's that not I I'd rather, be, was? I rather yeah. stay with the habitant. I'd rather go to an Airbnb. I'd rather, you know, mix myself up with right, the, but, but the land. Right, but it
2: does seem like every conversation is almost about... The island has this, the people. It has the spirit. It has yeah. the culture. Yes. It does not have resources. It does not have and, and maybe absolutely. some if like your basic, cruise is
4: going to be a good thing. Yeah. There's no right, question. If you're no. Looking absolutely. For the absolutely, if you like that of kind of home. travel, I just don't like saying, it. Myself, I'm not saying
2: go on a yeah, cruise. I'm just saying like, you like when, when, you, when you are entertaining down there. Yeah. It doesn't matter where the money's
3: coming from. You
2: you want to know that your trip's being paid for, that your entertainment's oh, being paid absolutely. for. Absolutely. And well, there are
3: more than 50 travel agencies that do specialize in trips to Cuba. You don't have to go on a cruise, and you can absolutely. go on your own and stay absolutely. with a family. Absolutely. Um, there are also... Fabulous and, by and
2: by the way, the cruise industry has its uh, precedence in the slave trade. So well, it well, all kind of does come back. Yeah, it's a, it, there's like connections to actual, the actual companies that Where were running Where are you the getting st- your information, I, Mr. i, read a book or two. I um, <laughs> Companies that were involved <laughs> in the slave trade okay. had the boats and the ships that then in the initial cruise industries b- became... Cruise ships. The problem
3: I think with the cruise ships is that they're not giving as much money to the people of Cuba when they get off the boats. I mean they come, they see, they get back on. And I think that what Cuba is now putting all their money in is the tourism
1: trade. What I'm getting from both of you, even though you come from possibly different parts, is is to immerse yourself in the culture. If you go there, immerse always. yourself in the culture 100%. Stay with the families. Eat at the Paladars. Go and listen to the music. Go and see the art.
3: Well, it's also really wonderful to stay in a nice hotel where they have a 24-7 doctor on staff should anything happen medically. And your, your uh, boarding pass to your flight includes health care while you're there. Wow. Yeah and um, and for tourists they have needles and supplies um, cubans have gotten the, very resourceful and they've learned so they take to care heal themselves the, but dis- of, of the tourist industry is growing they in do, other words they do and the hotels okay, have the food and there was a joke for a while that the americans were drinking all the water and beer because they were coming in such huge amounts and um, but i think that there's they're very welcoming people they they make a complete distinction between the American government and US politics versus the American people. Everybody has family in the United States. Everybody will say, oh, you're from New York. My brother lives in New York. My uncle lives in Brooklyn. And so I think that there's there's decades of a connection between the two countries and yeah, yeah, going there's, there's, there's forward.
4: There's no would, resentments, there, there's, no, there's no animosity. You know? They really are not angry at Americans at all. Right. You know? They're very welcoming and I not. think
3: from our perspective, it's really wonderful to go and share the culture with them and um, that cultural exchange is a really beautiful yeah. adventure.
1: So any last parting thoughts from either one of you, Alfredo? Or, uh, with well, when yours?
4: I go to Olguin in October, I'm looking forward to visiting another part, which is actually very uh, uh, untouched. A different part that you haven't and, uh, been to before? Untouched, I haven't seen. So there's still, it's a big island, you know, there's so many different trips you can go also and, look at the Cuban factories for the cigars, and a lot of people have different tastes and, and flavors, but it's just a lot of amazing things you can go and see in Cuba.
1: Have you brought uh, your daughter with you, Leanne? Uh, Leanne
4: cries and wants, but she's busy with her own life. But uh, yeah, they want, eventually, I want her to go buy yeah, we got, something. We got through most of this hour, I
2: we're now, now talking about some. Ernest Hemingway or cigars.
4: <laughs> That's kind of amazing. <laughs> yeah. You know? Well, I had to mention it yeah now that you mention it
3: (laughs) ernest hemingway's daiquiri is in my book a taste of cuba (laughs) he he was diabetic and um the story is that he went to floridita where he had his daiquiris and he tried the delicious daiquiri he'd heard about and he said too much sugar not enough rum so (laughs) they they made the papa doble which is uh made with grapefruit juice but um, he had his mojitos at the Bodeguita del Medio. And really, everywhere you go is There's incredible a little bit of music. Hemingway everywhere, no there's Mundos
4: in Havana, a little bit of Hemingway everywhere you so go one, in Cuba.
2: There's also a theory that, you know, he took his own life within a year of losing his home in, in uh, Cuba. Mm. And that, which is that, now a museum. You yeah. can go
3: see where he wrote. So, but the theory
2: was that he, he was so heartbroken mm. that hmm, he lost the will to live. It was well, a that,
3: source of great inspiration for me. Well, he wrote the, the Old Man in the Sea there.
2: Which Which was, by the way, uh actually a life magazine issue mm. in like 1950 or 51 life magazine was saying let's give an entire issue to a great author yes. to write a novella so it was an ass- it was a magazine assignment I really
1: st- you know i despised that book no <laughs> I had to, i'm sorry uh, i freaking hated that book well no. i
3: photographed the man that was his captain and i the think inspiration that's wonderful i'm all for that the but i just gonna as, say as right out i love never some caught mis- a
2: fish
1: in his life <laughs> 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 who, we, who, you? <laughs> How could you live here and not have ever caught a fish? You just uh, have to throw your line in the water. Well,
3: there's more to Cuba than Hemingway yeah. and cigars. I think that's pretty well, much what we're saying. It a beautiful battle
4: at sea, let's put it this way, with yeah. this old man and this big fish. So, uh,
2: and a bunch of little fishes also. <laughs> yeah, and it was actually a metaphor. But what I had read was it, it was a metaphor that Hemingway was writing about, about the, the writing and publishing industry, ah. that you go out as a writer and you catch the big fish and then all the little fish eat at you and eat at you. So by the time <laughs> you bring it to the marketplace, you've been absolutely decimated. <laughs>
1: Well, let's get back to talking about art because we have a musician, Alfredo Morat, who's local from Sag you. Harbor. And we have an amazing photojournalist, Cynthia Caras Alonso here. Both of you files, And I just want to bring us, we only have a few more minutes left, about five more minutes. And I really want to talk about the joy that That Cuba brought to you that how it touched your heart that you both have gone back over and over again like I'm not a I don't go back for seconds just about anywhere. I Mm. take a trip somewhere I see it and I don't want to go back. I want to go to the next place What is it about Cuba that keeps drawing you back? And I want you to think really carefully about this because I'm very
3: clear on what draws me back and for me it's the joy of life and it's the fact that you know, you can travel to so many developing countries in the world. People are tired, hot, bored, unemployed, poor, struggling. I Not mean, just on the plane getting there. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think in a way we can all identify that we all, every person, the human condition, we all have issues. We all have problems. And yet the Cubans are so full of a joy of life in spite of the struggles that they're dealing with. And I think that that's contagious. And that I feel like you know, it's such a special place to go and recharge and, and experience and share the creativity. I think that their celebration of art and education and family and community and food is what keep, gives them a joy of life. And it's, it's sort of this great place that I feel like I can go recharge my battery by talking to the people, their incredible spirit, their incredible joy can of I life. Can I go with you? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. In the fall? I'm taking people in November. Come oh, on are you along. Oh, really?
1: Okay. I'm, gonna, I'm totally I'm doing gonna it. I'm going to be
3: teaching a class at NYU in I, October. I don't want to go to school,
1: but <laughs> I want to go to Cuba. Alfredo, tell me about you and that your oh, heart. It's
4: all of the wild. It is. Yes. It's a uh, it's a place for me that's in my heart and now it's in almost my bloodstream you know it, you become part what of makes it especially it that way the the music and and you know the vibrations and um, ultimately the connections that I've made over the years with with the people and how ultimately depend I feel like they depend on me a little bit too you know to to help you know I feel like I'm I need to uh, always remember people. I mean, when I'm working in restaurants and singing, and I'll let people know, you know, I'll remind them, you can still go. Can- yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: Right? yeah. But, yes.
2: but again, it's people, right? It's so, connection. Yes. It is and people. I think that yes. one of the things I'm definitely going to take away from this hour is it's up to us, each individual, to go out into the world and make a connection, open a door that'll change your Absolutely. life. Absolutely. In this case we're talking about Cuba, but really it's that you both have gone out into the world and gotten so much back. Sure.
3: And I think that I mean, I hope that we all give and and go with a respectful mindset because, um, in many ways, the Cubans are so open to an exchange of ideas and of creativity. I maybe as you've felt this, oh, but yeah. I know as a photographer, I feel like um, people just love being part of my photography job and experience and they like yeah. to interact and be part of your adventure with oh, yeah. you.
4: you. you definitely, well, you walk in the streets of El Malecon and you have suddenly three guys, four guys doing music with me. Yes, exactly. Some, that's but amazing. ultimately that's how it happens.
3: And, and that's the, the informality. So it's like a big party, a big yeah. celebration of yeah. love and but life. But it's a different kind of party from the exploitation that was happening of the 50s. It's everybody is... Um, there's access for everyone to celebrate life. And I think that's what makes it such a fun place. It's a zone, baby. (laughs) (laughs) Coming from the heart. It is. It's a very passionate place. It's
1: a great place for us to end the program. I want to thank our guest this week, Alfredo Moran, who is local out here. And has Alfredo sings Brell, but it's Cubanissimo. So right. uh, <laughs> we did a story on that in The Independent last year. And uh, it has a Cuban beat. And that will be some of the music that you're hearing during our breaks with Kyle Lynch. Mm-hmm. And Cynthia Caris Alonso, who we went to high school with. And you've done two books about Cuba. A passage to Cuba and A Taste A, of Cuba. a Taste of Cuba. And it is amazing. The qu- photography is gorgeous. It shows you both have shown your extreme love for this country that is so close to us and yet so mysterious to so many people. Beautifully said. Alec, what do you think? We should go with uh, Cynthia in November? I'm already
2: there in my head. (laughs) That's
1: (laughs) great. That's
2: great. And by the way, Ian Collins, Delicious. Spanish food. Yeah. Rice and beans and everything. It's so always brings me that there. I know i want here to in know. a restaurant. In fact, 2019 is the year of the plantain.
4: I'll I'm naming it. i will naming right
1: I like that. I like will
4: bring my guitar. I'll be there too. Oh,
1: beautiful. beautiful. Okay. We'll all meet there in Cuba. Cuba in November. We're all going to be there. So thank you so much for joining us. Sundays on the East End with Bridget Leroy. And Alex Ockelow. Here on WPPV 88.3, Long Island's only I'm NPR I'm a, station. I'm you can also listen to us I'm online I'm at 883W. W-ppb.org. You can always make a donation to listener supported public radio. We all love and need you. And we want to thank our guests, Alfredo Moral, Cynthia caras Alonso. Thank you for coming out with us. And Alec, you want to check us out?
2: Yeah, everybody, have a great week. Be well and stay well. <laughs>
0: Ne me quitte pas Ne me quitte pas Ne me quitte pas Ne plus pleurer Ne plus parler Je me cacherai là A te regarder Danser Et sourire Et t'écouter Chanter et puis rire Laisse-moi devenir L'ombre de ton ombre L'ombre Ta main, l'ombre d'un chien Ne Ne me quitte pas, ne me quitte pas Ne me quitte pas, ne me quitte pas Ne me quitte pas